Hello, this is Michael Canfield, and thank you for joining us today on The Dog Watch. A dog watch is an evening shift of early or late duty, or the people who undertake it. This dog watch considers the natural world and the things that help us experience it, from dogs to watches and everything in between. Ultimately, it's a place for us to go wherever curiosity takes us. What happens when you put together a tap room and restaurant with an indoor-outdoor dog park? You get a new kind of venue for dogs and owners. And today on The Dog Watch, we get to visit with Sam Carter, one of the co-owners of Unleashed Hounds and Hops in Minneapolis, which is just a, such a place. We have the opportunity to discuss the genesis of Unleashed, the opportunities and challenges of merging these two types of businesses, and the satisfaction of providing a place for people to gather. We also make sure to discuss what happens when the dogs steal the food. Before we begin, we have an interesting posting of a dog today on the hashtag feed. It's a cross between a German short hair and a black lab named Walter Mellon. Both a creative name and a unique pairing. You can certainly see the lab influence and the subtle fur and the features of the pointer as well. And what an incredible nose. Now, let's get on to the conversation with Sam Carter at Unleashed Hounds and Hops. Today on the Dog Watch, we visit with Sam Carter, a co-owner of Unleashed Hounds and Hops in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Sam, welcome to the Dog Watch. Hey, it's good to be here. So, you know, thanks for joining us on the Dog Watch. It sounds like you're just wrapping up there tonight. I heard some barks in the background. Um, a busy night tonight? Uh, busy? Yeah, it's been pretty good. We had a little bit of a, a snow flurry, so that tends to help. <laughs> Yeah, does do, does your attendance really uh, get affected by the weather a lot? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we uh, last year in Minneapolis had about three weeks of below zero degrees, and uh, we couldn't uh, fit anybody else in here beyond our capacity for about a month. Wow. And what's the capacity like? Uh, that's a different question pre and post COVID. Oh, uh, I see. So we. Uh, we actually do our capacity based on um, people instead of dogs because oh. uh, the city doesn't really care about how many dogs are somewhere. Um, <laughs> so so they, they really just calculate it based on people. So we can kind of make our own capacity based on what's safe. Okay. Um, we sort of – if we were to do our legal capacity, it would be an absolute crapshoot. Uh -huh. um, there'd be nowhere to walk, dogs everywhere. Yeah. Um, so we generally try to get around – a hundred ish people, um, which usually ends up being about 30 or 40 dogs okay. depending on the day. Cool. Well, to start out, I mean, I think, you know, Lily and I came down, um, to see the location and have been there. Um, and some of our listeners certainly will have, but some may not. Um, can you kind of just describe what Unleashed Hounds and Hops is currently? Yeah. So we are the only, um, indoor odd outdoor dog park, um, in the Twin Cities, and I believe in the state. Um, and on top of being the indoor-outdoor dog park, we also have a tap room um, that features local beer. Uh, everything is Minnesota or Iowa that we have on tap uh -huh. right now. Um, then we have a selection of wine and stuff as well for those who don't like beer. Um, and then we also have a full kitchen. So yeah. we have a full kitchen that does uh, um, craft sausages. Um, it's basically elevated bar food. 
Um, it's not going to be, you know, five-star cuisine, but it's going to be a lot better than you'd probably expect from a dog park. Oh, yeah. No question about it. And I've been down and, and can, can attest it's, you know, you you didn't know, like, I don't know, didn't know what to expect, but it's pretty, pretty darn good, um, especially when you've got your dog with you. You know, you're not there to you know, have a French five course meal or something. Yeah. Um, and, and with, without a doubt, we benefit from low expectations. In that front. <laughs> so yeah. I mean, we, we do pretty good objectively speaking, but yeah. uh, when people think it's going to be really bad and yeah. then it ends up being good, um, then it, then it even seems great because of how low the expectations were going in. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I can, I could see that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm curious about, when you sort of had the idea of starting this and, and where did it come from? Where was the genesis of this, this idea? How long ago and, and how did that happen? Yeah. So, uh, Kevin and I, he's, uh, the other owner slash operator here. Um, so we actually worked corporate security, um, at a, uh, Metro hospital, um, in St. Paul here. Um, so that was about 24, 15 to 2017 Mm -hmm. Um, and it was kind of a dead-end job way more stressful than it needed to be and way less pay than we probably deserved (laughs) Um, you know a lot of putting your body on the line and wrestling and dealing with a lot of of not very fun situations as I'm sure one can imagine yeah um, at a at a uh, at a metro hospital in the middle of a downtown yeah um so we sort of did that for a while, and then our stories differ on how the idea came to be. Um, I remember it as we were watching some YouTube video of a similar place in, like, Denver or somewhere out west. Um, and then jokingly, we were kind of like, hey, we should do this. Um, and then we made a few phone calls to some people in the city um, and then found out, like, it's actually possible Um, you know, cause our biggest thought would be the health department would say no, or the licensing people would say no. Um, and everyone was pretty much game to work with us to make it happen. Um, so then after that happened, we sort of very slowly got into it. Yeah. Um, and it took us about two years. Um, and then we ended up finding a location we liked, um, did you know a few thousand dollars of investment into that and then it all fell apart okay um and then we basically stopped for a year and we're like well it's probably not meant to be um and then we found the location we have now our realtor hit us up out of the blue and was Mm. like hey if you still want to do it um and then we decided to give it another shot and we ended up taking it across the finish line yeah yeah so you know when you thought about raising the funds or getting the funds or kind of cobbling together the funds you know some businesses might get investors or um raise funds in certain ways like how did you how did that happen for you yeah so we actually the timing ended up working really well and and the reason we were able to take it across the finish line is uh my mom was actually a, a restaurant executive oh um so she was the vice president of leanne chins for a while she was a regional vice president for Bruger's, Bruger's Bagels. Okay. Um, and then Bruger's, where she was working uh, prior to Unleashed opening, had a big restructuring. Um, and then she was part of the layoffs there. Oh. 
Um, so she had a pretty sweet severance package and she's like, I'll help you guys do it. You know, I have the experience. I have wow. the know-how. All right. Um, so she actually owns the majority of it. I um, see. just as a, as a, uh, angel investor more sure. or less. Sure. Um, so that was very fortunate. Um, but then we also did raise another, I can't remember, $250,000. Okay. Um, through invest, uh, investments from, just random people um, and family friends, um, stuff like that. Uh, old high school friend of mine uh, is one of our investors as well. And then we also did a crowdfunding campaign where we raised about 50K. Oh, wow. Wow. So you you have good support from a variety of areas, but they're pretty, sounds like they're pretty close, right? That, um... Yeah, we have, we have one investor who nobody, none of us knew, hmm. um, but he was a friend of our realtor. Okay. Um, so he actually invested a decent amount. Um, and then everyone else is a friend of Kevin's or a friend of mine. I mean, there's seven of us as the core, the core investment team. Uh-huh. So we all knew each other except for that one guy, but uh, right. he's been great to work with too. Yeah. And so it sounds like from having your mom have that experience in the restaurant business um more generally probably has a had a because that was one of my questions it's like how do you <laughs> sort of just start um a dog park is one thing but then a dog park plus a restaurant there's a lot to there's a lot of aspects of that i would imagine yeah so we actually you know because it's something that's never existed here um they were sort of just winging it um so you know we would get things from the health department that would say one thing and then they'd be like, actually, I don't think we really care that much. You can just do this. Um, so we, you know, we sort of just, just did what they, we did what they were telling us they think we should do. Yeah. Um, and that's generally how it, it went. Um, and we had a pretty good team at the city. Um, we had someone on the city council who was really big, um, and getting it pushed through, hmm. um, who really believed in it. Yeah, it's interesting because I think, you know, one would be tempted to imagine that story would have gone differently, right? Like you'd go to the health department. It sounds like as you were, right? You'd go to the health department or you'd go to the zoning board or whatever, and they'd just say no way, no how um, because of the dogs or because of health <coughs> regulations or something. It sounds, you know, do you feel like it was people more or just that there was an app, nobody thought to make regulations to to, <laughs> to not have something like this? Well, so it's actually pretty funny. I mean, we were obviously worried mostly about the health department stuff. Yeah. Um, and kind of the way we have to operate, a lot of that is defined by what the health department allows us to do. Okay. Um, I mean, you've been here. We, we only use disposables. Um, and part of the reason for that is, A, we don't want glassware breaking out in the dog park. That would obviously be bad. Yeah. Um, but then another part of it was like the health department was like, well, if you need to do that, then you need to have a dish room that's connected to the other side of your business where you do the dishes and you bring them into the other side and then do the dishes again <clears throat> because they can't be cross contaminated and blah, 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 which to it makes sense. Like that's totally cool. Um, but then they were also really helpful in working with us and being like, why don't you just do disposables? Like we don't have a problem with that. Um, so that's been pretty cool uh, to work with them. Uh, but the funny thing is, as far as regulations that nobody's thought about making, um, if you've ever been to a brewery around town, I'm sure you have. Yeah. Um, you can bring your dog. 
yep. and you can walk you can walk right up to the counter indoors and order a beer. Um, and so we asked, and we were like, "Hey, can we do that?" And they were like, "No, you can't do that." <laughs> we said, "Well, what what's the difference?" Um, maybe what's the difference between it being a brewery? Is it because we have, uh, is it, is it cause we have food? Because, you know, some breweries have food Yeah. and they're like, no, that's not the problem. And then, so what's the problem? And they go, well, you're not a brewery. And I was like, what? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, sorry, you're not a brewery. So uh, you can't do that. Oh, so there it reared its head, right? Right. So, the, yeah. so then it becomes this weird arbitrary distinction because in that law that, the surly guys got passed when they were doing right. their big beer hall, you know, they targeted it towards their business, which is fine. Like whatever you do, you, uh, but then you would think that they'd be able to understand that the distinction is arbitrary. Um, but they just decided to stick to their guns. Um, and we, you know, we got our work around for it. Sure. No problem. But like, that was one of our biggest headaches was just, <laughs> just because we weren't technically, we didn't brew beer. We couldn't do what every other, similar-ish business is allowed to do. Right. And, I mean, I guess, how much beer do you have to brew to be a brewery? I mean, can you just have a... Like, oh, a... we thought about it. Oh, did you? That's what I thought. <laughs> I was like, can we just, like, can we just, like, brew a little bit? And be like, we're a brewery. Oh. No, but you probably have to have some minimum volume or something. Oh, yeah. Different laws. So, yeah. So, I guess the question then is, you know, it sounds like you didn't have a lot of businesses even elsewhere that you could model or learn from. Is that right? Like, did you have any inspirations from other places who tried to do something similar? Yeah. So there's the two nearest ones, uh, ones in Omaha, I believe. Um, and then there's another one in Kansas city. Okay. The one in Kansas city is like unreal. Um, and they were actually trying to open one according to, someone we were working with in the city they were trying to open one in the cities when we were hmm. um, opening unleashed but they had i mean if you go to this place in kansas city which we visited obviously it's only a few hours away they have just this huge space underneath an overpass okay so it's basically an outdoor area that never gets wet um because they just use this overpass as like a natural roof huh or quote unquote natural roof. I guess it's an unnatural roof, but it's, you know, they don't have to pay or maintain it. Uh, it just totally covers their whole space, uh, which is brilliant. Um, but, uh, that's kind of what they were looking for up here. And the city of Minneapolis is like, there's no real estate like that here. Yeah. Um, and so as far as I know, they've sort of looked elsewhere. Okay. Um, and this is just what I heard from the city. I mean, maybe they listen to this podcast and they're like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> uh, but, you know, these were just these were just what we were getting from them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because we had a couple advocates, like I said, in the city who really wanted to see us do it, um, as opposed to a similar business kind of coming in and, yeah. and opening a second location here. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, again, I think we are pointing to something even with the overpass idea that it has to work particularly. It sounds like you tried one space and I'm not sure why that one didn't work. And then you chose the second space. And I'm curious about just the the places. What is it about a, a place that might work or might not work? It seems like the one, obviously, that you have now works really well. What was it about that that you felt like, yeah, we can give it a different shot? Um, so actually, the, the place that fell through, I mean, if you, if you stand in our outdoor patio, you can hit it with a baseball. It's literally like oh. across the street kitty corner. Oh, I see. 
Um, and so that one actually ended up falling through uh, because the guy had a price that he wanted for the building and then we offered it to him and then he said no. And then we were kind of like, well, why is that the price that you listed then? And he's like, well, I won't sell it for anything less than $100,000 more than the list price. And I was like, okay, so this obviously isn't going to work. And yeah, I'm not no. sure why we just wasted our time. Okay. Okay. So it's not that you started it. It's not that you like built it and then it fell through. It's just that the the building fell through before you were able to do it. Yeah. But we had about, we had about, you know, a few thousand dollars of due diligence getting people in and, and looking at, you know, systems to see if it was doable and, and stuff like that. Um, Cause obviously you don't want to get into this and then realize it's totally unworkable. Um, but then the location we landed on now, uh, what we really just needed was an empty warehouse, uh, which is a lot harder to find than you might think. Um, and then also because of the requirements of size, we needed a warehouse that the price per square foot was cheap enough for us to not basically run ourselves into the ground and rent. Um, you know, cause we can't afford to pay, you know, your, your, a regular restaurant might pay 25 to 30 bucks a square foot for 4,000 square feet. You know, we have 10,000 square feet. And if, if we were paying the same price that a, a Applebee's pays to lease what they're leasing, you know, there's no way we could do it. The fixed cost would be way too high. Yeah. Um, you know, unless you wanted to buy a beer for $13 and then no one would show up anyways. Right. And the dogs don't really pay for themselves. I mean, there's a small admission, but it's, that's not, you know, that's yeah, not for what sure. pays the rent. Right. Uh, so then we sort of, you know, the space was not very desirable when we found it. Um, it was pretty run down. It was an overstock goods store. Okay. Uh, with, um, a group of people who just really weren't even paying rent and it was, kind of run down and gross um and so that's kind of how we were able to get it for such a cheap price um and that's kind of how we were able to make it happen um so when we ran the numbers and we we're like you know what this this place might actually work um and then you go out back to the patio that was already fully landscaped um that they had here it's like oh this is perfect like we don't you know we just saved one hundred fifty thousand dollars on landscaping i mean I guess that's about sort of the space, but what about the location? Um, you know, I know some some listeners weren't won't be from Minneapolis, right? I know it's very close to where I work, but was that attractive for you for certain reasons, or what can you say about kind of where it fits in the city? Yeah, we wanted to be as central as possible. Um, I have a dog that does not like being in the car, but loves dog parks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, I sort of projected that into the the business philosophy where it's like, I don't want to be somewhere where people have to drive 35 minutes to get to, uh, because then I don't know that people will show up for that. Um, I'll just let my dog outside or go for a walk. If it's going to take me as long as the walk would take to get where I'm trying to go. Um, you know, there's plenty of cheap warehouse space, 20 minutes outside the city. Um, but I don't know that we would have attracted the same volume of customers. Um, so we picked a more central downtownish location, uh, which also has the benefit of people living in apartments sure. um, who don't have a place to take their dogs out, don't have a yard, things like that. Um, and the other thing that people might not realize um, that I'm sure you do is we're right next to the biggest farmer's market in, in Minneapolis and St. Paul. 
Um, so we get tons of eyeballs just from people coming to get fruits and vegetables on yeah. weekends, um, which is a huge, you know, I, we haven't quantified it, the money we've saved on advertising and marketing um, by just being in this location specifically, but I'm sure it would be substantial if we were. Yeah. And I mean, I think also the contribution, right, that there's uh, um, the people, it's a place to gather, right? And there are different ones, like people come to the the farmer's market, but also then can come to the dog park and have a beer. And um, it's, it's a nice kind of combination in that spot. And I guess also people in the city are, tend to be a little bit less solitary and a little more, you know, wanting to be at a dog park or, or at, you know, at the pub or something like that. So it's cool. I, I know when we, you know, I've talk, talked to you before about just a little bit about the development. You'd mentioned, uh, I remember that when you were doing this and as you've been developing it, there have been a number of, you know, I don't want to call them mistakes or whatever, but just just hurdles, impediments that you didn't anticipate. I'm just that stuck with me. I'm just curious if there are any things that um, stick out to you um, that you're like, wow, if we would have realized that, we would have done this really differently or anything like that. Yeah, I think a lot of it comes from the actual um, how we actually laid the space out itself. Um. um like, for example, we only had one entrance and exit um, from the bar area and the dog area. Um, and when pre-COVID, when we were just absolutely slammed, uh, we had to have a staff person that was just opening gates because there was so much traffic of people coming in. You know, they check their dog in and they come to play in the, the park and the people go in to get beer and food and then people coming back with beer and food. You know, we had we had basically a, a full time employee just standing at a gate, being <laughs> wow. a gate person to keep dogs from running out because the gate was constantly open because uh, we had so much traffic. Um, so then during COVID, we just added another door, which we never thought we would need, and right. it never even crossed our mind during the planning. Um, you know, so we like add another door, something that we never even thought we would need. Sure. Um, you know, fencing we've had to play around with to find fencing that works and is totally secure. Um, everything looks great on paper and then everything looks great before you open and then you start opening and then you start realizing, you know, the little things you may not have thought of, uh, that you keep having to try and fix on the fly. And sort of as you've, op as you opened and, and had this restaurant, right. Which is, you know, again the the brats and stuff like it's it's not just hot dogs and burgers right like there's some interesting things and the beers are good um you're doing that which is its own challenge and then you've got this other set of challenges of you know running an indoor dog park dealing with dog clients so to speak um are there any particular challenges to that, to sort of juggling those two things or do they work reasonably well together i wouldn't say that they work they don't not work well together. I mean, they're, they're, they're two very separate entities. I mean, kind of the way we look at it is like the bar and the dog park are kind of one entity. And then the kitchen is its own, um, mm -hmm. where I think a lot of people might think that like the kitchen and bar would be one yeah, thing. That's what I and thought. Then the dog yeah. park would be its own. Um, a lot of our dog park staff and bar staff kind of know how to do everything. 
Um, so, you know, in the event that we have an extra bartender and there's a really wild group of dogs, um, you know, they have the ability to swing out there and, and, and provide support. Right. Um, and then vice versa, you know, we have some staff who, you know, are trained in the bar and, and if the dogs are really calm and there's staff in there and there's a line, you know, out the door at the bar, you know, they can swing in and assist as far as. The kitchen's just its own entity. Um, I mean, it's basically two guys and me um, who do most of the most of the cooking and prepping. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's mostly what my uh, restaurant background was prior to opening this place. Was I did a lot of catering work in college. Oh, I see. Um, and then we're also our family is a very passionate cooking family, so we're. I, I'm sure we're not. I'm sure our kitchen's not doing things. You know the most effective and efficient and, and cost friendly ways. Um, because I, you know, I don't have that necessarily that, uh, quick service restaurant experience, but yeah. we sort of just do it our way yeah. and it works. Yeah, it does. Um, and, yeah. and it might not be the best, but, uh, everyone seems to enjoy it and it's not overly stressful or hard on anybody and the food still comes out great. Yeah. And it's, it's reasonable too, right? I think that you were talking about that earlier, that it has to be kind of, you know, at a reasonable cost and it is, it's, you know, you don't walk in. It's some places like that are more specialty, right? Which in some ways your business is, right? Sure. You walk in, you're like, oh, okay, I'm paying <laughs> twice as much as I would and I get it, whatever. But it doesn't, you know, it seems like you were able to figure that one out, which is which is cool. All right. So I, I've got some, um, just one last design question. Did you have to deal with anything about noise, like sound? It didn't, it doesn't sound like, you know, incredibly loud um with all the dogs i'm sure it does get loud sometimes but did you have to do any kind of soundproofing or a noise abatement or you just kind of so it's actually kind of funny because we when we first opened so we had nothing when we first opened okay um for some reason it didn't cross our mind which was dumb uh, because of course dogs are gonna bark but you know you're dealing with so many other things um so we actually opened six weeks before covid so we only had six weeks of operating uh, before we got shut down our first time. Uh, but we were so busy basically from when we opened to when we closed every single day, uh, pre COVID that the bodies of people and dogs absorbed so much echo that we didn't think we needed sound abatement. Like we were like, Oh, like the space is actually, you know, not so bad at it. Um, and then once we got shut down and then we reopened, and we had, you know, a quarter as many dogs. Um, we were like, the echo's horrible in here. Like, it's huh. really bad because there was not enough there absorbing the sound. There wasn't enough people or dogs there anymore to absorb all the sound. So now it's just echoing everywhere. Um, so then we did, um, you know, we had some audio engineer, um, an audio engineer friend of ours, uh, you know, recommends some sound panels and stuff, which which has made a big difference. Um, I mean, in the long run, we're probably going to have to to do that whole spray all over the ceiling. Yeah. Um, you know, once we can get a a couple years of operating under our belts without being shut down, hopefully we'll have the funds available to do something like that. Um, but we've definitely had to add some stuff, but it's pretty funny because initially we thought we were totally in the clear, right. which was dumb. <laughs> well, you know, and the hope is that soon enough after the next little while that some of the more um, busy times will come back too, right? Where there's, it's a little more packed and more dogs and people to absorb. Uh, yeah, some of that without a doubt. Um, 
Okay, so I want to ask you a little bit about the people and the dogs, right? So first of all, how would you describe the community of people who come there? Um, like who comes and like wh- what's it like? Yeah, I would say a lot of our regulars are kind of fit into two categories. Um, we sort of have the the millennials and the baby boomers. Okay. Um, it seems like we don't have a lot of regulars that fall below the millennial or in between millennial and boomer. Okay. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it is, uh, you know, the, the, with a lot of the, the boomer crowd, it's like their dog is their kid. Like they have an empty nest except for their kid who is their dog. Um, and they have lots of free time and exposable income. Um, so we kind of have a, a core group of them, um, and they kind of all find each other. So, you know, when, when they're all here, um, at the same time, they sort of congregate in their own little click. Um, and then we sort of have the, the millennial group that's the, doesn't have kids yet or doesn't want kids, lives in an apartment in, you know, the North Loop here. Um, and then they sort of congregate with each other and fi- have found each other. Um, and then, I mean, we probably have, I would say, a hundred different dogs that come at least two or three times a week. Wow, really? Um, so they're definitely kind of the lifeblood of, of what we do. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they come in, they don't necessarily order food or drinks. They just come and let their dog play, which, you know, they bought their annual membership and they're totally free to do that. Um and sometimes they come and they have a whole meal here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's nice because then you can just kind of stop in and stop by if you're close, right? And and be part of it um, and let the dog out and have, have them get some exercise and see people. Um, yeah, for sure. And different dog breeds, like what what's – is there a pattern to the dis- distribution of the types of dogs that come? Yeah, I think we get a lot of like what you'd call like designer dogs, kind of like your – doodles and i don't know if a corgi would be a designer dog but like a lot of like it's kind of like if you're willing to spend money to get a fancy dog you're willing to spend money for that fancy dog to go play yeah yeah um so we do get a lot of those um and then you know we have probably half of it is still just your random mutts and rescue dogs and stuff like that right um and we do a lot of work with with certain rescues um, so we get a lot of those dogs in as well. Seems like you got some uh, uh, the Great Dane crowd, certainly. Yeah, the Dane the Danes are huge. Uh, we do a lot of corgi stuff is huge. Uh, we do a lot of stuff with the Doberman rescue. Um, so you know there'll be weeks when we have a ton of Dobermans in here. Yeah, and and so when the people and the dog interact, I just have to ask about the food. How often do they get the food? I was thinking about that when I was out in the back one on the picnic table, right? Somebody had their, their food and nothing happened, but I'm just curious, are dogs running around with brats a lot of the time or is that pretty rare? Uh, we have one that does one of our regulars. He's quite the counter surfer. Really? <laughs> pretty prolific. <laughs> um, it happens. Yeah. It doesn't happen all that often, yeah. uh, which is good. Uh, we're, you know, happy to replace it for people. Sure. Um, with this specific dog who is pretty prolific, we have a deal with his owner where it's like, we'll replace the first one, but if it happens twice in one day, you're paying for the other one. Because <laughs> it's like at a certain point, dude, like, yeah. and he, you know, he tries to keep, you know, he tries to keep a hold on his dog, but he's, yeah. you know, so quick and. Um, yeah. But no, it happens every once in a while. I mean, yeah, totally. the, the only the only thing we have, you know, is some of our stuff has onion in it. 
but ah. it's not an it's not enough that's going to actually hurt a dog. Right. Um, so that's you know we try to avoid toxic sure stuff for dogs, um, and then the stuff that we do have that may be a little toxic, we just do it in such low quantities that you know they would need to eat like. 10 people's meals for it right. to even be a problem. Yeah. You don't have chocolate cake or something like that. It doesn't seem like so. No. Um, and a question to, along those lines is how often do things get tense or is it difficult? Right? Like I would imagine, you know, once in a while dogs get a little wild or whatever, but, but it seems like, I don't know, at least when I was there, it doesn't seem like it's um, something that would happen a whole lot, but what, what's your sense of that? No, I mean, I think, We've been well. I think there's a couple of things. I think we've been lucky, frankly. Okay. Um, that we haven't had many issues. Um, I think this is the type of place that you probably don't bring your dog as its first dog park. Right. Um. So people have some sort of base of knowledge. Um, like that. Oh, my dog's okay in these types of situations. Yeah. Um. So we don't really have to worry too much about it. Um, we've had some, you know, every once in a while, a dog can have a bad day. You know, we've right. had dogs who have come here, you know, 30 times and then they get frustrated with some dog and then they, you know, yeah. take a little chunk out of its, you know, lip or whatever. And yep. then the other dogs, but more often than not, you know, we've got a really good group of people and, and nobody gets too upset about it. Um, we haven't had any like serious injuries or anything. Um, you know, we've had a couple dogs in the past that have basically walked through the gate and gone after a dog like instantly. Oh. And like we have staff there, so you know, they get broken up pretty quick and then it's kind of one of those things where they exchange information and we've been pretty fortunate that we've, you know, everyone's super apologetic when it happens and they're like, "Oh my god, like I didn't think like I would have never brought him here if I knew he was going to do that. I'm so sorry. Like I'll pay for the vet bill or whatever if there is one." Um, so we've had a couple instances like that, but we've been open about a year and a half total. And like, I can only think of maybe three or four. Wow. And the good thing is those dogs never come back because it's, you know, it's not, and it's not that they're bad dogs. It's just not the right place for them. You know, it's a pretty overwhelming environment, especially in the indoor section. Um, it can be pretty overstimulating for some dogs and that's fine. Um, yeah. And at the, at different ages too. Right, like some dogs, as they're as certainly the early years too, a little more wild, and then they can mellow out, or or vice versa. So it just depends. But that's a pretty good track record. I mean, <laughs> I would imagine it's much better than most bars, right? Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, we've think. not had any, uh, not had any issues with uh, people fighting each other. So yeah, no, good. I, I mean, hasn't again, happened yet. I don't know what a bar looks like, but I would imagine that especially down in the city, like you'd expect some of that, right? You have bouncers, especially if you're open later. Um, so that's pretty, I think that sounds pretty good. Um, okay. So uh, I had another kind of question about, and and I know you have partners, right? You mentioned you have the, the Great Dane rescue folks who I met, actually some of them there. Um, how do those, uh, the partners fit in and, and some of the rescue groups fit into your, uh, the community there and the things you do? Yeah. So we do a, um, drink for dogs every Thursday. Um, so it's where we'll partner with a rescue. Um, and then all we ask for them is to set up a table, which mm -hmm. is some info about their rescue. Um, and then like post it on their social media and then they get 10% of all food and drink sales. Wow. 
Um, so, you know, on a, the great Dane people, for example, will, you know, bring out a huge crowd and, yeah. you know, they can end up, you know, with 300 bucks at the end of the night. Yeah. Um, plus, you know, they find fosters, they can adopt dogs out. Um, we've had, you know, a couple regulars adopt dogs from the rescues that do their drink for dog events here. Yeah. Um, and it sort of just started with, uh, when we first opened a lot of our staff, either foster or volunteer, uh, with dog rescues and stuff. Cause they're passionate about dogs. Um, so they were kind of our in with a lot of these places. Um, and then, you know, sometimes the owner of blank rescue will just walk in and be like, Oh my God, you do a drink for dogs. I'd love to do that. And then we, you know, get them on the schedule. Um, and take it from there. Yeah. That's awesome. And do you do other things too? Do you have other events like, you know, I don't know, dog trick nights, dog bingo, any of that kind of stuff? Or is that not your clientele so much? Well, so we do, uh, you know, we do breed nights on Wednesdays. Um, so tonight was actually like a terrier night. Okay. So we do those on Wednesdays. Uh, Tuesdays, we uh, partner with a local guy who does like homemade dog cupcakes and donuts. Oh yeah. Yeah. I can't um, remember. What's the name of it? Um, it's must be rough. Yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, no, he's a, he's a good dude. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we do treat giveaways, you know, for the first 75 dogs. Um, uh, and then we just recently opened seven days a week. So we'll probably find something fun to do on Mondays and Sundays. Yeah. Um, but we're still sort of, just trying to get in a routine of being sure. open seven days a week here for the winter. Yeah, that must be a lot, actually, sort of staffing and and from the management perspective, especially when you do a restaurant, right? Like that's a, that's a couple more days you need to have the all the supplies ready, and that's a big that's a big ask. Yeah, no doubt. It's I think we'll be. I mean, we'll be okay. We're not very busy on Mondays and Tuesdays yet. I'm sure that'll change once the yeah. snow falls. Sure. Uh, but, you know, we're still looking for, for good staff and stuff who want to work a few more days because you're right. It's it's not the easiest climate to uh, attract staff and to get people working yeah. apparently these days. It's it's awesome that you've been able to like – it seems like it's a pretty good um, test of principle, right? That if you started like six months before COVID and you're still running and you're opening more days, like that suggests you got a pretty good business model, I think. What COVID has taught us is – We've learned that we have a pretty high floor, yeah, um, which is obviously what's most important. Um, and we're not really sure what our ceiling is yet, because um, COVID has really hindered our ability to learn what our ceiling is. Um, you know, because we had some pretty severe capacity restrictions and stuff like that. Not to mention people who don't want to go. I mean, still, you know, still don't want to go out to bars or whatever. Um, and might not until next year for all sure. we know. Yeah. Um, so we've learned, you know, we're almost certainly not going to fail, which is awesome. Um, and we'll see what the, what the future holds as far as, you know, the ceiling portion of it once things kind of get back to normal. So, uh, you know, again, I know you're, you're working late and I wanted to just ask two more quick things um, sure. for you. The first is kind of back to the food and beer you know, if I came in to get a broad or whatever and a beer, what what would you recommend? Like just for listeners, like give us a sense of like, oh, I'd really have you order this and, and pair it with this beer or this wine or whatever. What what things might you uh, just sample us with? 
Yeah, so uh, we're actually um, we're actually going to be changing our menu. Uh, so we change our menu every six months just to keep things fresh. Um, part of that's just because it's more fun for us. I mean, this kind of goes back to the, it might not be the most effective way to run a kitchen, but it's kind of how we want to do it. Um, you know, so we're actually, we were just doing some recipe testing stuff today. Um, and we uh, have been playing around with doing a, a loaded tater tot hot dish. Which is a, a you know, which I'm sure you know what a tater tot hot <laughs> yeah, dish is, but you gotta everyone else might not know. For those who aren't in Minnesota, Sam, like what it's, is a hot dish? Well, a hot dish is just a casserole, but tater tot <laughs> hot dish is a famous one. That's tater tots and like a a beef and mushroom gravy. Oh yeah. Um, sometimes there's vegetables in it. Sometimes there's not. It depends who you, who's making it and who yeah. you ask. Okay. Um, so we've been messing around with doing one of those and we, you know, actually landed on a pretty killer, a pretty killer recipe that we came up with for those. Okay. Um, so if you come in, you know, after two weeks from now, when we switch the menus over, I would definitely recommend getting one of those. Right. Um, and the other thing is we, you know, you mentioned that we do sausages. Um, we get all of our stuff from Kumarjix. They do sausage. They do all their, uh, they make all these sausages and breads and pierogies and stuff, uh-huh. um, and then they sell them wholesale to certain businesses. Um, so we get a lot of their fun stuff, um, you know. So we'll have a wild rice brat on the menu coming up here. Oh wow! Um, and that's as local. Well as, they're local. I don't know them. Oh yeah, they're local. So yep. they're uh, they're about two miles from us. Oh cool. Okay. Uh, maybe maybe a little more than that. Um, so yeah, so they do they do all that stuff. Um, so any of the the craft sausages I'd recommend because, you know, it's not just like we're getting them from our food distributor and taking them out of a freezer. Like we're actually getting them from a local place that that makes it uh, in house homemade. Right, right. I noticed that they look quite you know like like good brats and sausages, but I didn't realize that they were that. You know, that's great that they're down the street and made there. Um, I also noticed you have some vegetarian options too, right? Yeah, so we partner. We actually have a a vegan butcher shop, yeah. which is what they call themselves, not what I would call them because <laughs> that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But uh, they're called Herbivorous Butcher. Um, they're they're really great. Um, so we get some some product from them that help us do a lot of our vegan and vegetarian stuff. Um, you know, we can pretty much make anything vegetarian just with simple substitutions, um, and then you know, vegan stuff. We probably have eight to ten things that can be made fully vegan without really making any substantial changes uh, besides substituting the meat um, we actually have a, ve- a vegan loaded tots which is like actually my favorite thing on the menu and I'm not even vegan um, what is that tell me about I don't I couldn't tell you what that would be oh so it's like uh, so we have like a vegan ranch dressing that we use so we basically make the tater tots and then we cut up this vegan sriracha sausage that we get from these people um, and then uh, grill it up with some caramelized onions. Um, and then we top the tater tots with that. And then it gets like a harissa ketchup, which is like a spicy ketchup and then a vegan ranch dressing and then green onion and jalapeno. And oh, it's, wow. it's quite good. Yeah, no, I'll have to check it out. My, my wife is, uh, um, you know, vegetarian, often vegan. And that's one of the things I appreciated about it, even though I didn't order anything that was, um, that I really noticed it because if if that's kind of how you exist, it's it's really nice, right? When you go in place and like, okay, I can order things that might be not just the the salad without dressing on it or something, right? And, you know? and the 
the Venn diagram of vegans and like passionate dog people, like there's, there's quite a bit of overlap. So it's not like, you know, obviously moving into creating a menu, we were like, we need to have good vegan options, not just veggie burgers that are frozen. Um, you know, we do have a veggie burger or whatever, but we also try to do some more interesting and, and stuff targeted for that group. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, I guess I do have two more questions. Sorry. I, I wanted to ask you about um, the space you were mentioning and kind of, you know, you've got, maybe we'll do some soundproofing or whatever, but if you, you know, the sort of big sky idea, right, in that space, if you had money, right, or had the resources to, to do some stuff, are there things you're like, wow, we really love to, you know, break out the back wall and X, Y, or Z or or... Or do you feel like you're pretty much kind of focused on what you've got and it, it works pretty well? And I, I'm just curious how you feel about that. Yeah, we would probably, if we could, so we have like kind of a uh, a homemade DIY bar that we set up out back um, when the patio's open. Um, the downside to that is we need to run all the food and draft beer from the inside to the outside, which is a bit of a walk. I mean, it's, it's probably tough to imagine and explain in an audio format, but just people can take my word for it. It's, it's, it's a bit of a hike to get out to the back area from the kitchen and bar area. Um, you know, if we could, if we could set up for lack of a better term, like a little tiki bar that maybe had like four tap beers out there and some coolers, you know, that'd be awesome. I think, um, that'd probably be one of our more fun pie in the sky things. Um, you know, more practical stuff would be, yeah, soundproofing. Um, a drainage system in the dog park would be awesome. Um, we do a good job now with, with what we've got, but it's just so much more labor-intensive than it necessarily needs to be. Um, and there were some issues with leveling and stuff that we couldn't actually do a drain system, which was part of our initial um, plan. Um so that'll probably never happen unless we have lots and lots of money to totally fix that issue. Yeah. Um, but again, we, you know, we have specialized products and stuff that, that allow us to clean just as well. Yeah. It just takes way more time and energy than it would to spray the floor down and squeegee everything into a drain. Um, and the bar space, I think in the summer, especially is just so, so nice. But do you, do you use it in the like late fall and even in winter out there? Do you do drinks outside? I, I haven't been there in the winter time. Um, we usually close it. Um, starting in November. Um, so we just recently winterized it um, out there. But yeah, we'll, you know, we'll go generally until it starts to be regularly under 50 degrees. Um, and then we'll also, we plan on doing some like special stuff out there this yeah. winter. Um, our landlord who, who runs part of the farmer's market does like a winter, uh, does like a Christmas fest thing. Oh, cool. Um, so we'll probably... Um, do something out there with some like hot drinks and stuff. Um, we plan on doing a, uh, like a Husky breed night. And then we kind of want to set it up outside cause we think that'd be pretty funny. Um, whether, whether we'll convince people to bring their Huskies outside, I'm not sure, Yeah, um, yeah. but I'm sure the Huskies would love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a great idea actually. Um, cool. And, um, so you have a dog too. What, what kind of dog do you have? Yeah, I've got two. So I've got a, a boxer lab uh -huh. um, who's a psychopath, but he's great. Okay. 
Um, and then we have a labradoodle. Okay. Hmm. So so lab in there and and ha- crossed out to a couple different breeds. Cool. Are they young or older? Or? Yeah. So we got the labradoodle. Um, my girlfriend wanted one, so we got one uh, when she graduated college. Um, and then he started to get angsty at about two and started ripping stuff up in the house. So then we adopted Mickey um, from a rescue who was about three. Um, so they are the best of friends and the worst of enemies all at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, they're about they're about six right now. Okay, okay. So kind of right in that prime spot there. That's uh, you know, good dog ages. Um, yeah, they're calming down a little bit, yeah. which is nice. Yeah, and so I guess last question for you. Um, you know, it seems like obviously this kind of business, especially uh, even, you know, doing food service, doing a, a restaurant. And then also dealing with people and dogs it takes a lot of work and I'm sure has its stressful points. But I'm also wondering what, if anything, you find most rewarding, right? Like what do you, what keeps you going? What, what do you enjoy most about this place that you've created? I would say it's the people who are choosing to spend a large majority of their free time at a place that we created. Um, you know, it's, there's lots of options and lots of fun things to do in the world. And we have people who want to come here twice a week or three times a week. Um, and it's kind of cool to have created a place like that for someone. Um, so I'd say that's probably what I would say to me is the most rewarding thing. Um, and the other thing too, is when you hear stories about, um, dogs who get adopted from these rescues and stuff during their events um, yeah. that's always pretty cool too yeah yeah it's neat and even just kind of being someone who's just getting to know the place like it's nice when there is a place for people to gather right there's so there aren't that many places now that we can do that and it's cool especially when you have a dog right because that tent sometimes tends to limit it um so that's great it's re- really fun place and i really encourage people to go down and <clears throat> check out the, the the food and the beer you guys are serving and, and check and and have some fun there so again i really appreciate you taking the time especially on uh, late late in the evening when you've just put in a full day and all that so thanks for being on the dog watch and we'll we'll see you down at, at the restaurant with uh, with some of our listeners too love it Thanks again to Sam for taking time after a long day at the park, so to speak, to help us understand the place that he has helped create. And don't forget to write a short review of The Dog Watch on Apple Podcasts and to subscribe. If you do, send an email to onthedogwatch at gmail.com and you'll be entered in a drawing once we reach 100 reviews. Our music credit today is Whiskey on the Mississippi by Kevin McLeod, courtesy of Creative Commons. Until our next shift, this is Michael Canfield thanking you for joining us on The Dog Watch.